Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change with your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone is having an amazing day. That's right. It's Monday, April 24th, and today is National Bucket List Day, as well as National Pigs in a Blanket Day. So, you know, Gretchen's probably going to make some of those and probably dress her dogs up, too. But thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can find that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a comment on the story most recently presented. But we're going to kick this thing off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, who looks like he is a little bit more settled in to his spacious abode. That's right. Are you all settled in, Rico? Are you ready to go? Um, sure. All right. Well, it is the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. Oh, man. Um, I appreciate that, uh, Jason. And uh, my story is actually coming out of... Great state of New York. So it looks like uh, New York State Governor Kathy Hochul's proposed crackdown on uh, trappers. It has the streets cracking up. The Empire State's industry seemed to be finally hitting its stride with announcement of 99 new retail licenses activated just last week. And the positive news came after Hochul's announced plans to put the kibosh on illegal operators. Legal experts are calling BS, labeling the proposed uh, the proposal as lip service, more meant to silencing media critics rather than uh, solving the actual problems at hand, with loopholes making enforcement a lot easier said than done. Hochul's uh, new legislation proposes penalizing illegal operators up to $10,000 per day for operating without a license and stores selling illegal product uh, from illegal out-of-state product up to 200000 But Paula Collins, a lawyer who's represented illicit owners, told the Post, the New York Post, where the story came from, um, most traps, uh, trap shops are cash businesses owned through LLCs and corporations without bank accounts, making enforcement nearly impossible. Here's what she said. They say we're going to put up this tax lien on you. How are you going to collect that? There's nothing to even seize here. She actually claimed NYC Mayor Eric Adam previously estimated 1,500 trap shops total is actually closer to 5,000, averaging about two to 3,000 in profit 
per day. And she said that owners are increasingly converting their LLCs to corporations since corporations do not carry any personal liability after they dissolve, effectively neutering Hochul's clamp down out the gate. When Hochul says she wants a $10,000 fine, I giggle. That's what she said. And uh, while the crackdown would grant the state authority to physically padlock illegal shop doors and authorize warrantless searches of businesses and vehicles and seizure of suspected illegal product, the Office of Cannabis Management, OCM, currently 150 workers strong, is the only available vehicle to carry out that mission alongside the Department of Taxation and Finance. Good luck. Per the article, with currently just four legal, uh, legally licensed smoke shops in the city of nearly 9 million people, among 165 statewide, Hochul's critics say that she is not issuing licenses fast enough to give legal operators a fighting chance here. A November report co-authored by the New York Medical Cannabis Industry Association blasted Hochul in the OCM, calling their toothless trap house enforcement policies and illegal product coming in mainly from California and in an immense consumer risk. Many of these locations falsely advertise the sale of THC products as legal or licensed, misleading consumers and selling products blatantly masquerading as popular name brand chocolates, candies, gummies, and other well-known snacks, the report said. And chances are good that these things will be the same for much of the foreseeable future thanks to the governor's proposal remaining stalled in Albany with the current focus on passing a state budget already three weeks late. But hey, at least they got plenty of high quality California bud to help pass the time while they wait. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street. Interested in hearing what the rest of the team thinks about this one. Good old New York. Oh, man, I love this story. I love, <laughs> yeah, love, you love, love it. this story. And the fact that they actually came out with some realistic numbers, 5,000 sounds to me like a lot more of a realistic number. Mm-hmm. I always knew 12 or 15 was a little too on the low ball side of the fence. Absolutely. There's mm-hmm. cop Cop math? That's cop math, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> cop math is just throw a number out there and watch it stick. They're like, it's seven. It's <laughs> <laughs> not seven today. It's seven. It's yeah. 17. I meant 17. You cut me off. Yeah. Oh, man, bro. This is this is hilarious, bro. I mean, the fact that they think that they're going to be able to enforce on the illicit market in these types of ways is just just totally, totally, totally ridiculous. And uh, I, I totally agree with this lawyer. Right. Like, yeah. She's like, what are you, you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> You're the one that opened the door. So every time Kathy Hochul opens her mouth, she laughs. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this to clamp down like no you're not <laughs> this is not gonna work what yeah right Gretchen? madam law and order i love law and order i think um i think what this shows is truly a failure more of the social equity program and why you should not be putting these programs first uh because they can't get their doors open uh at this they complain about them not issuing issuing enough licenses they've issued over a hundred licenses only but, five but, have been able to get their doors open but gretchen the same thing happened here in, in california and social equity didn't get it didn't open first right so why are we why are always we, wins is undefeated oh, like the internet. that's not the point rico the point is new york has put all their eggs into one basket with no money in it hoping that this shit is going to work that's if they right. want to go after this then what they need to do is go after the landlords. What happened to the money, though? 
What money? They, they didn't raise the money. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't exactly. the New York money. The $150 million phone. I don't phone know why you keep saying to... exactly. I'm exactly right. Social equity <laughs> stuff and didn't work. Yes, I'm exactly right. million dollar fund. That was supposed to be. No, you know why there's no, no money in there, right? Because it's really socialist equity. Anyway. Redistribute. I mean, I mean, Chris, Chris, you're former law enforcement. I mean, if you had to clean up New York, what would you do? What would be like the first couple steps that you would take as a law enforcement officer to actually clean up the streets of New York? I think that's a that's a good question, but a little bit unfair because you know would I have the authority, right? If I mean, if I had to snap my fingers, let's just say you had the authority. Let's come on. No one I, else does. I'm going to admit that I don't know what I don't know. So I, the very first thing, you know, got to answer the question. The very first thing I'm going to do is, is is identify the real experts that understand the landscape and how to how to uh, understand what our goals are, right? There's if we're going to do any kind of enforcement with law enforcement, they should have a goal in mind. So what is the goal? Right. Where where are things are lacking? What is the goal here? And then how do we work back from that? That's my best answer. So it sounds like to me, your strategy is going to be to flip two or three of these store owners to be like, how can we shut down all your competition? You will get three licenses for every one license. How many of these shops are actually um, planning on trying to go for a license? That's something I'm interested in knowing. And, and are any of these people in the process of creating a legal business in cannabis in New York. I think I it's mean, my I doubt, ones, I doubt any of these are going after was, a license. It was my understanding that if you operated one of these uh, shops, that this would be a knock against you and they would not allow you to go for a license. How would Unlike they... DC where they are allowing. I mean, that makes sense. That would de definitely make sense. I mean, but if they never clean this clean this whole thing up, what's the value of their license in the first place? Yeah, right. going through all of that hard work, paying all of that money, doing all the construction, everything that you have to do to get a business up and going, yep. just to be legally operating. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, risk reward. People risk night. Like there's so the much. There's so much that goes into starting one of these businesses. It's very difficult to be motivated to get your business going when there's a lot of other things going on in the streets that are counterbalancing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And they would stop making money. You know, it, it, you can go the legal route and not really make much money at all, or you can stay trapping and just know that Kathy Hochul and company, they got another two, three years until they start to, to tame this thing. <laughs> they start to trap trap is thriving man just let it yeah let it flow <laughs> yeah i like a choice says here in the comments that california showed you how broke you can become by going for a license mm -hmm. true troy very true <laughs> yeah. hey you know it, it's funny because there's another chat in in the clubhouse and mary jane ottoman is saying political people trying to play tax warlords over a plan is the biggest issue social equity is really just a tool for corporate white men to lock in their profits while pretending to care about colored people. Exciting to see the tribal markets thrive past the bullshit in New York. How dare you? <laughs> oh, that's good, Rico. That is right there. How dare you? That wasn't even my voice, but it was cute. I like it. No, that's what's her, that's what's her face. That's the little Swedish. Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. <laughs> so cute. 
Oh man, that's good. I don't know. I don't know if we got nothing else on that one. All I can say is like, yo, good luck to the regulators over there. Like uh, we've been trying on the other end of that. We do try to go the corporate side first, and um, the trap is still thriving out here in California. So I don't know. I don't know what the solution is other than. Um, I think the regulators need to listen to more Warren G. <laughs> keep on smoking it and keep on getting it from who you're getting it from. Like if you believe okay. it, <laughs> you believe you got good credit. Man. Man. All I know is that still today, fentanyl is a schedule two drug. Mm. Killing people all the time. Oh, and uh, the Biden administration is leaning towards <laughs> Not the D schedule. I mean, well, he's always leaning anyway because he can barely stand up. Hey, man, he's on the promethazine, bro. For the yeah, <laughs> we're gonna uh, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what time it is? That's right. It's Tuesday over here at Green Street, and we got Smoky Vanilla with us in the building. So that's right. It is time to stretch and smoke. We just got done smoking. Now we're gonna stretch it out, and then we're gonna smoke again. Go. I'm Smokey Vanilla with my background in kinesiology and bodywork massage and assisted stretching. You gotta come check it out, baby. Check me out on IG at Smokey Vanilla One Stretch and Smoke, Twitter Smokey Vanilla, Social Club Stretch and Smoke, or also on Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. If you want to feel as good as I look, then make sure that you get a stretch and smoke in with Smoky Vanilla. Yeet! You gotta get that commercial syndicated, bro. I fucking love that commercial. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I love it. So, so terrible. I love it. If you ain't a Green Street wheeling and dealing, smoking on the best weed in the world and getting stretched out by Smoky Vanilla, <laughs> ain't no telling where he might pop up next. It could be Detroit, the Hustlers, where they call him White Gucci, or it could be down in Mar-a-Lago. Who knows? Coming to the stage next, y'all know who it is. The industry's longest continuously operating retailer, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Monday. Now, first of all, I got to give a big, big trigger warning because my story is super, super sad and just goes to demonstrate um, the lack of tolerance towards cannabis across the globe. And so there's my trigger warning for the story. But in Singapore, that's right, Singapore, they plan to execute a man over one kilogram of cannabis, that would be 2.2 pounds for anyone that can't do basic math. A Singaporean man is scheduled to be hanged next week for conspiring to smuggle one kilogram of cannabis in the city's in the city state's first execution in six months. Right groups have said. Uh, Tan Garagio Sapuya, 46, will be executed on Wednesday, according to a notice from the Singapore. Uh, prison service that was received by his family and posted on social media by rights advocates. Amnesty International condemned the decision, calling it extremely cruel. And in a quote, if carried out, this execution would be in violation of international law and in stubborn defiance of continued outcry over Singapore's use of the death penalty, an amnesty spokesperson said. In many parts of the world, including in Thailand, cannabis has been decriminalized with authorities abandoning prison sentences and rights groups have been mounting pressure on Singapore to abolish capital punishment. 
the state, the city state, has some of the world's toughest laws against the use and sale of narcotics, saying that the death penalty remains an effective deterrent against trafficking. Tangariview uh, was convicted in 2017 of abetting and engaging in a conspiracy to traffic 1.0179 kilograms of cannabis, twice the minimum volume that, that merits the death sentence. He was sentenced to death in 2018, and the Singaporean Court of Appeal upheld the decision. Prosecutors said he owned two mobile phone numbers used as contacts. In a quote, what is especially troubling is that Tangaroo never actually handled the drugs, human rights advocate Kristen Hahn said. He was also questioned by police without legal counsel and said that, it, that he was denied a Tamil interpreter. Singaporean High Court Judge Hu Shigyu Ping said that anyone who abates the commission of a crime under the law shall be guilty of that offense and liable to the same punishment. Who said that the charge against the accused had been, had been proved beyond a reasonable doubt and Singapore resumed execution by hanging in March of last year after a hiatus of more than two years. Eleven executions were carried out last year, all for drug offenses, and among those hanged was Nanagrian Duramadu, whose execution sparked a global outcry, including from the UN and British billionaire Richard Branson, because he was deemed to have a mental disability. The UN says that the death penalty has not proven to be an effective deterrent globally and is incapable are incompatible with international human rights laws, which only permits capital punishment for the most serious crimes. Well, like I said, this is a very, very sad story. Um, I want to hear what you guys have to say. This is Jason Beck reporting for High at Nine News. What do y'all think about this? It's sad. Listen, this is awful. First of all, obviously nobody should be put to death over this plant. But at the same time... I'm really curious. Um, it's pretty clear to me that there's intent to sell here. At least it seems that way, especially the two cell phones and all of that. Is a Hold on a second. I have two cell phones. I right. Right. And you sell weed. Right, Jason. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Just she saying. She rests her case. There you go. <laughs> 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 phone store. <laughs> Right? How do you know that they both even worked? <laughs> One um, of them just we all know what was going on here. It's pretty obvious. He definitely doesn't deserve to go to death for this. But at the same time, you know what you're doing, right? And I hope that he had some serious success prior to this and made a lot of fucking money and was selling those pounds for like 20 grand a pop. I hope. Yeah. Jesus. I don't know. This guy. You know, there's a. There's a hint in this story um, in him being denied a Tamil interpreter. There's a Tamil separatist movement. It's a smaller indigenous group that's uh, trying to be they're trying to have their own uh, separate state. And so there's a good chance that this guy was probably selling some dope in order to fund the resistance because the Tamils have been brutalized and oppressed by the, 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 the folks that control mainland Singapore for generations. Same thing's happening in Sri Lanka. There's a weird, there's a, whoa, there's a lot of battles in, in these islands between native indigenous tribes and the larger, I, I believe they're Malaysian and almost like ethnic Chinese uh, originally 
folks who were coming in and, and doing their own version of colonizing these islands. You see the same thing in Indonesia as well. Yes, yes, I mean, Indonesia it, it, has similar, similar, uh, similar criminal penalties, right? Well, it does. And there's also, you see like uh, islands like Bali, originally all of Malay, uh, Indonesia was um, Hindu. And so you see islands like Bali that are very gentle, very tolerant. They still aren't, aren't so great with the weed, but they're being controlled by Islamic Sharia law. And so you have these folks from other islands coming in and, and instituting penalties of cutting off people's hands and death and all kinds of crazy stuff for this really peaceful population that wants nothing to do with that. The only good news in, in that particular case is there's some party islands off of Bali that are controlled by the minority Muslim population. And all their kids have been making so much money selling mushroom smoothies to tourists that they're all walking away from Islam. And and no offense really to any religion, but like it's time to evolve past that shit. Yeah. It's just sad, man. It's, it's, it's <laughs> very sad. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, this, they, they, they didn't even catch this guy with any weed. OK, because it clearly states that he's being charged with conspiracy to sell okay so that means that they didn't catch him with any any drugs they caught him with two cell phones and they're trying to put give him this guy the death penalty that to me seems a little a little cray cray no not a little it's incredibly cray cray this is unreasonable i mean this is a plant that's never killed anyone now someone's about to be Hold on, he didn't even it. caught with any of it mm. this is, that's yeah, my this, point yeah, I, I gotta go with msg on this one saint germain like there's probably a much bigger story behind what's going on uh, with this whole situation. It's, it's unfortunate that, that, that this guy is in the situation that he is, but damn, man. <laughs> I don't think there's a bigger situation whatsoever. I agree with Mandy. For you guys to think he's running some political movement, and that's why he's getting effed over. I mean, these are the people who came to Kid for uh, some vandalism uh, years ago. I mean... You don't mess around in these countries. They're the ones who have these ridiculous laws. It's what's going to happen to you. I'm disappointed by people who uh, just completely dismiss socio-political and economic reality. Discretion. I'm not. No. I'm not dismissing that. No, you this, did. You actually. No, no, you actually no, began no, your Saint comment Germain, by completely. You, you began Germain, your comment by completely dismissing what I said. Dismissing. You, no, you did. You literally you, rewind the I'm, tape, Adam. We need an instant replay feature on here because I'm just saying, Gretchen. I love you. You're a good-hearted person. Love but you began your comment by completely dismissing everything I said. Quick, get a the rewind indigenous on that, movement is a real socio-political movement, and it's quite likely that this movement, like many me. revolutionary movements, is using the drug game to fund their movement. Same thing the CIA does. Same thing the MI5 does. Absolutely, it's a worldwide thing. Yep. It's a trend, and for us to just dismiss it and not talk about it. And yes, Singapore has incredibly harsh laws and realities, but just to dismiss things not... and take them at the very surface of their veneer really is going to yield no fruit for us as a species. Saint and I'm Germain, not saying that, that I'm, I'm not, not excusing what the gentleman did. The I'm movement. not excusing I'm what not, the gentleman did. I'm saying I'm not there's a greater story behind it. I'm not dismissing the movement. I'm dismissing the idea that perhaps he is not just a drug dealer. To all of a sudden he's linked to this group, which you have no proof that he's linked to this group. I, That's I didn't what I say, am saying. I, I was I'm making not, the supposition and I said that there is a hint in the fact that they did not allow him a Tamil interpreter. The reason for them to not allow him a Tamil interpreter is because there is an indigenous revolution and a war going on between the mainstream Singaporean people and the Tamil people. And all I was saying is, is there's a hint there? And I'm not saying the guy deserves it. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I was just trying to speak to a bit of a greater reality for other people to like yep. look into. And that's it. The big picture. If I'm being and rude, I'm sorry. 
I love you're you guys. Not being, Happy you're Monday. Not being you're, not. Rude. you're not being rude. <laughs> and all I'm suggesting, perhaps, is that it's not some bigger conspiracy theory. Maybe the guy is just a drug dealer. That's what I'm saying. It's not a conspiracy. There's literally an indigenous revolution, and they deny the guy an interpreter who speaks his language, and they're sending to the death penalty. Maybe because they have a fucked up judicial system. Maybe they don't have the legal system, and that's why he didn't get his interpreter. To think that it's because he is some part of this big political movement, I think there needs to be a little bit more behind that. I kindly suggest you do about 15 to 20 minutes of Googling on the situation in Sri Lanka and Singapore with the Tamil people. Yeah. Oh, boy. Next story, you guys. Happy Monday. Uh, here we go. Here, here, here we go. And on that note, we're going to go on over to Gretchen Gailey. She's the feisty redhead conservative that loves to tell pot and libs all about themselves and let them know that they are just nothing more than just political deniers. That's right. It is the founder of Panoptic Strategies, Gretchen Gailey. Good morning. My headline comes from Marijuana Moment. Delaware governor will allow marijuana legalization and sales bill to become law. The governor of Delaware says that he will allow a pair of bills to legalize marijuana possession and establish a regulated adult use market become law without his signature. Advocates were concerned that Governor John Carney would veto the proposals like he did in the last session, but in a welcome surprise to supporters, he said on Friday that he would let HB1 and HB2 go into effect, albeit without his active support. That means Delaware, which is nicknamed the first state, will become the 22nd state in the U.S. to legalize adult-use cannabis. And here is what those laws would effectively do. Uh, House Bill 1. A state statute would be revised to legalize the possession, use, sharing, and purchasing of up to one ounce of cannabis for adults 21 and older. To avoid abuses of the gifting provision, the bill stipulates that adult sharing would not include giving away cannabis contemporaneously with another reciprocal transaction between the same parties, such as an exchange of a non-marijuana item. Public consumption and growing cannabis would remain prohibited. People under 21 who engage in such activity would be subject to civil penalty of up to $100 for their first offense, and police could use discretion and issue a citation in lieu of that fine. For House Bill 2, the regulatory bill, the legislation would provide a basic framework to create a regulated system of cannabis commerce for adults in the states. The Division of Alcohol and Tobacco Enforcement would be responsible for regulating the market through a new Office of Marijuana Control Commissioner. For the first 16 months of implementation, regulators could approve up to 30 cannabis retail licenses. Applicants who showed that they'd provide a living wage, health insurance coverage, sick and paid leave, and focus on diversity and hiring would be prioritized in the licensing scoring process. 7% of marijuana businesses' business fee revenues would go to a justice reinvestment fund that supports restorative justice, workforce development, technical assistance for economically disadvantaged people and more. And that fund would also go towards creating or developing technology to assist within the restoration of civil rights and expungement of criminal records. However, the legislation itself doesn't provide for automatic expungements. In addition to conventional retail cultivator and manufacturer and laboratory licenses, the bill would additionally provide for social equity and micro business licenses reserved for applicants with a majority ownership by Delaware residents. 
localities would be able to prohibit marijuana businesses from operating in their area through the ordinance, and adult-use marijuana sales would be subject to a 15% sales tax. Medical cannabis products will not be taxed. Um, This is how you play politics. This is a man who does not care for legalization, allowing it to go through because he sees the will of the voters. But when they turn on him on Election Day, he can say, I didn't vote for it or I did not sign it into law. Um, And that's how this man is riding the fence. And I don't mind him riding the fence since legalization has come through for Delaware. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. I think this is a great step for destigmatization. And I love you, Gretchen. I love you too, St. Germain. I mean, Delaware, it sounds like the governor is going to actually do what people want. So shout out to them. What the hey? Well, and also, uh, they did have the votes to override his veto. And no governor likes to be vetoed. Yeah, no governor likes to be vetoed. I'm pretty sure Joe Biden was probably lobbying against uh, this happening. So they had to have the votes in order to override the governor's veto power. Delaware Joe. Mm -hmm. Delhi style, right? Delhi style. Delhi style. Delhi style businesses. LLC city. (laughs) I am not a fan, though, that they are not allowing home grow. Word to that. Word to that. I mean, uh, yes, this is a good first step, but there are a lot of restrictions to this. I mean, in all honesty, how many homes are really in Delaware in the first place? Like three. However, there's more Delaware LLCs than there are people in the South. Yeah, but nobody actually has their business there. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's all thanks to Joe Biden. Joe Biden, uh, when he was a senator, wrote all of those laws. He actually was the one who allowed credit card companies to reside in Delaware and charge what were previously known as usurious interest rates. He allowed them to charge criminal interest rates. That's one of the main ways he actually rose to power. They can technically have 300% interest in not getting 300? Yes. Wait, say that again? Yes. They can technically have 300% interest on credit card rates out of Delaware. Oh, my God. And you can't say shit about it thanks to uh, Joe Biden. I mean, it is Joe Biden's America. Who, who, who's America, is it? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Oh, boy. All Good right, old Smokey Joe. Mm-hmm. Woo. Oh. Once he signs this, how long until we there's actually like – some some actual but, operation going down on the ground out there. That's the whole point. He didn't sign it. Well, he's going yeah. to though. No, that's the whole point. If he he did not sign it, and if the governor does not sign the legislation, then it automatically becomes law. So the man gets to way to say I didn't sign it, and when it's a yeah. shit show. Oh, he has. And when it works uh-huh. out, then he can say I didn't stand in the way. That's what he's doing. Got so it. a hedge. That's that and makes. I don't, and I truly don't know anything right? of when this is going to happen. Yes, I love it. That's what so, you call it. This is how you do politics, people. Pay attention. How long, how long until we can go and buy some weed in Delaware, Gretchen? How long until we're actually going to be able to get it? If you're you medical now. patient, you can get it now. Yeah. How many municipalities are going to opt out? Uh, I don't know. But yes, it should right. be interesting. It should be interesting to see how many opt out. Well, I mean, But again, there's like three. So that's the problem. You got Maryland five seconds away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can easily go up to Pennsylvania. Well, Pennsylvania doesn't have adult use, uh, but Maryland does. I mean, so if they want this to thrive at all, they're gonna, they're gonna use it. They're gonna have it. And plus, they have the lovely Rehoboth area. They do have the beach for you non-West Coasters who don't understand uh, our geography. So it does have a big, big tourism. And tourism is a big part of Delaware's uh, economy. So. They might care to have it open. We'll see. LLCs are, 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 the, are 90% of their of their state revenue. 
what, what are you going to say on this, Chris? Well, I'm just curious. Like I said, I'm curious to, to know how, how many municipalities are going to opt out. Um, how many will want to opt in and will some of them change their mind like the city in my article coming up? Mm. Oh, I see what you did there, Chris. Yeah. There. I like that segue. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're going to be right back. Mm-hmm. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. All right, stop whatever you're doing and make sure you go and you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Make sure you also, too, are heading over to our website, sign up for our newsletter. And please keep in mind, when you do sign up for our newsletter, you are going to get another email to confirm that. And oftentimes it will go into your spam or junk box and make sure that you go and check there. But it'll say from High at Nine News and ask you to confirm. And so just make sure you go and do that and have a great Monday, everybody. Roll the next commercial Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. It is the Count of St. Germain. That's right. It is the immortal man himself that has walked the planet for thousands upon thousands of years, watching all the historical evolutions right before his very eyes. That's maybe that's why he's so advanced in all this historical information is because he actually lived through it all. And so it's just like muscle memory. That's right. It is the immortal Count himself, Matthew St. Germain. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Happy Monday. Thank you in advance for having patience with me. I just did a whirlwind of hero doses of psychedelics for my friend's level five birthday party in the woods. Still integrating back to human form and, and doing these words. So my story is a pretty exciting one, though. Uh, the, cannab uh, the Canadian government is appropriating $2.3 million in support for indigenous cannabis entrepreneurs in, in British Columbia. More opportunities for indigenous cannabis entrepreneurs in B.C. will soon be made available, according to the province. The government, the government announced Saturday that it has allocated nearly $2.3 million to be added to the BC Indigenous Cannabis Business Fund. The goal is to increase Indigenous participation within BC's cannabis industry. I commend the province for uh, enhancing its support of First Nations cannabis-related economic development through the ICBF, said Regional Chief Terry Teague with the BC Assembly of First Nations. The fund is one example of how the BC Assembly of First Nations advocates and works collaboratively together to advance First Nations rights and interests in alignment with the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. The funding announcement comes days after the First Nations Leadership Council called for the provincial and federal governments to change cannabis legalities to align with the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples and to support First Nations' fulsome participation in the cannabis economy. 
According to the province, the one-time fund will go towards supporting business planning and advisory services and will help First Nations cover the cost of licensing and permits. It will also serve as capital funds to support the launch or expansion of businesses. The funds will be provided through the New Relationship Trust, which is responsible for administering ICBF. The cannabis sector can be a multifaceted decision for First Nations communities and entrepreneurs, said Walter Schneider, New Relationship Trust CEO. The additional funding means unlocking more opportunities for First Nations seeking to advance their own path toward economic development in the regulated cannabis industry. My thought on this is any way we can give back to the folks who uh, we stole everything from is a step in the right direction. This is Matthew St. Germain for the Hyatt 9 News. I'm eager to hear the discussion on this one. Take it away, y'all. I mean, this is Canadian weed that we're talking about, Matthew. So just because it's grown by indigenous people doesn't mean it's going to make Canadian weed any better than the trash that it already is. You can feel better about it. You feel better about buying it from them. There was a time when Canadian weed was really good. I mean, (laughs) yeah, when there was only Bammer weed. The king of follow the money. What's yeah. what do you think about this, man? It is interesting to see all of the, you know, the little droplets of money going to the indigenous people in uh, Canada after they were outed. The, the Catholic Church was outed for the, the atrocities that they were doing to the indigenous peoples up there. Um, Back uh, pre-COVID, I, I was um, commissioned to do a, a couple of speaking engagements in Canada, and it was it's pretty weird to see just the industry overall. We talk about like social equity and everything down here, and how the war on drugs really screwed up Black and Brown communities. And up there, they were like really searching. It was like ultra liberal government, like searching for something to do and some kind of money to give out, and um, they have a lot of they have they have a lot of broken promises uh, for the indigenous communities up there, and I hope like this little bit of money, this little bit of attention that they're getting on a international stage is actually helping the people. Um, I don't know if there's any way to check or to balance uh, any of those initiatives, but um, they're owed a lot more than they, than what they're getting, and I just hope that they um, hope that they're fruitful, um, and I hope that's sustainable too. Absolutely. I mean, oh man, this is. I mean. There are, how are they actually going to get this money, Matthew? Uh, it, the article didn't go into detail about how the money was going to be apportioned. It and just said that it approved. Tribes for who gets what and whatnot. I'm totally. Sure it would be a yeah. big old, big old powwow about that. I mean, it could be similar to how grant dollars are distributed here uh, to cannabis operators. Every municipality does it differently. There's, you know, tough processes to go through. There's easier. So you're saying it's all going to be siphoned off by other political organizations no 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 i just mean you know in, in some municipalities grant dollars to cannabis operators are directly released to them but they have to go through a whole rfp process you know which is is time consuming and and you know expensive in time mm-hmm. so you know i'm curious to see how they're actually going to distribute this dough yeah very much so. true we shall see you know follow you it's going to come from the government We'll see if, if all of that goes out to them. You know, I think they have a better chance of actually getting the full amount than anybody would if they got that same call here in America. Yeah, but they're 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 only getting Canadian dollars, not like real dollars. Uh, the, you know what? This actually sounds like a form of reparations. Oh boy! Oh my goodness! Oh. I appreciate seeing the positive movement, right? And uh, 
to, to me, this represents something that I've I've been attempting to communicate again. Forgive me. The words are, are coming slow to me. I'm, I'm still in <laughs> level 10 here. Uh, we can't really put anything back in the box, right? If anybody's ever bought one of those Costco mattresses, you get them out of the box and you're never getting that thing back, dude. It just expands too big. And unfortunately, with history, it's kind of the same thing. Like, there's a lot of things that have been done that we can't just pack back up and put into the box. But what if every business that was profitable in America realized part of their profit was from the land that they had most likely inherited somehow illegally from someone else, and they gave 1% of their profit to the local Native American community to be used for medicine and education? I think that at that point, we could start steering the boat towards something that looks like right relations with the, the community who has allowed us to live and thrive on this land. We can do the same thing with reparations for black folks as well. Yes. Oh, oh boy. Here we go. Here we go. With reparations again. Better late than ever. Yeah. Like it, yes. Go. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep on going with that. I, reparations because I, it's old. I don't expect nothing. I don't expect nothing different from you. I mean, we should just, you money we can sit and think about, are you going to sit and think about 400 years of, of wealth created by African slaves for white landowners. That's just the truth. 400 years of wealth. Like those plantation houses didn't come from nowhere. You can't wear a white linen suit and get out in the fields and work in the South because you'll stain your suit, right? Those guys weren't working. So let's just look at the truth, man. 400 years of enrichment of another class of people. Give 1% of your profit. I'm not saying give 1% of your business. Give 1% of your profits back. If you're not profitable, don't give shit. Uh, Gretchen, I mean, if, if you're stuff, owed money, stuff. are you going to go and collect it? If it's a $100 bet, are you going to keep on telling that person they owe you money? I think I, I do that every day with Jason Beck. What are you talking about? Every day, I'm like, Jason Beck, my, case, my case for reparations, what, what, what communities are owed by uh, wrongs done to them over centuries. Yeah, but, and this is going to be seen as a negative comment on my part. You keep saying what they were owed. They were never promised anything. Yes, we were. Um, whoa, whoa, I think, whoa, 40 acres well, of mule? Uh, all no, right, no, fine. You can we'll, be, be owed without being promised as well. Like if someone stole my watch, I'd be owed my watch back from them. Rather with right. anybody promised you you to me, you're, 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 you're not owed that. Well, I you guess we just have a def- you're not owed it. definition. All I'm going to say here when it comes to this argument is if you want to see real change for these communities, we need to stop doing it by skin color. We need to start doing it by their economic standing. That is what matters. If you but keep making it about race, then you're going to get shut matter. down by the courts. Do if you want something that works or do you want to stand on your soapbox? I'm telling you a pathway that is going to work and get you money. If there was equitable distribution of force on certain communities, on uh, reg- uh, on regulating uh, regulations in certain communities, then we wouldn't be talking about race not mattering. Race does matter in America. Okay. Rico, may I ask you a question I'm telling you how to get money. Yeah. Rico, may I ask you a question respectfully? Yeah. Are, are you uh, personally a descendant of, of slaves? Yes, I am. Yes. Word. I am. So I'm going to I'm going to listen to you and and what you have to say about this, because it was your family that was wronged and not folks that came, you know, on the white side of things who have never experienced this issue. Oh, yeah. You know, and on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. <laughs> Happy Monday, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Saman Razani. Coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out.
I love our team. Mm-hmm. All around. I'm probably fired after the show, but I love all Stop you guys. It. Stop <laughs> it. You are not fired. I fired you mean fired up. <laughs> but up next, he's a former NorCal cop who decided cherries and berries were no match for remedies to the Sunday scaries. This fellow dope dad's now a security consultant at CC Security Solutions on a mission to improve your chances of, of survival. Y'all know who it is. Chris Eggers. Rico, Rico, always great to be intro by another dope dad. Appreciate it. Happy Monday, everybody. My article today comes out of the San Diego Union Tribune, and the headline reads, Oceanside to consider allowing in-store cannabis sales. Delivery-only businesses unable to compete with neighboring Vista's booming in-store sales, city officials say. So Oceanside could allow its first in-store cannabis sales under a proposal discussed last week by the city council. City council members asked city staffers to prepare options for making two licenses available for on-site retail stores and to prioritize businesses that already have other cannabis-related operations in the city. Oceanside City Council adopted an ordinance in 2018 to allow medical marijuana businesses only in uh, specific uh, industrial and agricultural zones. The ordinance was later amended to add recreational uses and to include two retail delivery licenses, but not on-site sales. Meanwhile, neighboring Vista to the east allows in-store sales. Vista has already collected over $18 million in sales revenue from about a dozen outlets since 2020, according to information provided to the Oceanside City staffers by Vista's finance director. Oceanside City uh, Council members said that the city is missing out on significant revenue source. We already have it uh, permitted for delivery, Oceanside City Council member Eric Joyce said. We have a policy that doesn't seem to make sense. If we're going to do it, let's take advantage of it and put the money back into our children. Um, there is a, a, some opposition, though. I'm going to read a, a couple quotes here. Uh, Susan Hume of cleanearthforkids.org said, quote, I am so livid it is hard to speak. This is going to hurt our kids, she said. Uh, the facts are clear. Anyone can Google this. So maybe somebody's Googling it right now. Other opponents included uh, representatives of the North Coast Prevention Coalition. Uh, and the article says that several women whose remarks in Spanish were translated to English, all of whom said the children were their greatest concern. Supporters included several Oceanside residents and employees of Medleaf Delivery, which opened in 2020 and have a 4,800 square foot uh, building on uh they just referenced the road here. Um, this can be done safely and with compliance. Medleaf's general manager, Karen Tomlinson, said, we support a merit-based process to award licenses here in Oceanside. Um, I don't support a lottery. Vista used a lottery to award licenses. Tomlinson and other Medleaf employees have said that previous public meetings that it is difficult for their Oceanside business to compete with, ne uh, with nearby Vista outlets that allow in-store sales. So back to my comment about, uh, to follow up on, on Gretchen's um, article you know how many cities will opt in how many cities will opt out here we have you know oceanside that's going to uh apparently opt into retail sales um and sounds like maybe they regretted not doing it originally given their neighboring city is generating a, a ton of revenue dollars so curious to see what you guys have to think about this um thanks for letting me contribute on this monday morning happy monday hope everyone has a great week my name is chris eggers yeah, I mean, are, are they, they're just following uh, San Diego's delayed lead here. You know, uh, Oceanside's uh, um, a lot of retired military up there as well. So, I mean, conservative approach is it's a slow walk, right? Mm -hmm. did, did it mention if the city was going to charge a importation tax? 
they didn't talk about any taxes, but they did say originally they wanted four stores and they got voted down to two. Uh, but nothing about taxes in this article. Because San Diego is the only uh, county in the state that charges cannabis brands a tax to, br to bring their goods oh, right. to San Diego to sell. Yeah, the San Diego is... Can you explain that? So, yeah, so like if you want to sell a cannabis product in San Diego County that is not produced in San Diego County, then you have to pay a tax mm -hmm. in order to the city, to the county of San Diego in order to have your product sold there. Yeah. I see Mandy shaking her head. What do you have to say? Uh, I was just acknowledging that tax and what a pain in the ass it is to just do any kind of business really in San Diego as far as cannabis. I mean, cultivation is still, is still even allowed, right? There's so many things that they didn't allow. And, and, and also going back to what the actual headline is here with regard to opening up the retail, the storefronts, yes, I think that they should exist. Every city should have access for these sorts of things, but I wouldn't sweat too much of it because at the end of the day, uh, people are really using delivery a lot more. We've just come out of COVID. We all got used to having everything brought to our front door. So retail storefronts are really just like regular re in re retail in any other industry. They're becoming a little bit dinosaur-like. You heard it here first. Mandy Tingler said, brick and mortar retail is dead. Well, Mandy, while I agree with you that brick and mortar might not be working out for some folks like Bed Bath & Beyond, isn't this necessary for this industry? All these places yeah. want brick and mortar dispensaries. Accessibility is what really matters, whether it's a storefront, delivery service, or you're shipping it in the mail. Like, accessibility is what ultimately matters. People need to be able to access this plant. Yeah. Period. There's not enough profit currently what in I'm California cannabis to pay $15,000 a month rent. So I get what you're saying, Mandy. Yeah. yeah, and from a business model and the way that the entire nation has now become incredibly comfortable with having things brought to their front door, um, delivery just makes so much more sense. I mean, even in the beginning of COVID, we saw this massive increase in sales of delivery services. We saw it all around the industry, but a huge spike. And, you know, my delivery service in Sacramento hasn't really seen much change um, since then. It hasn't really been... Uh, something that's, you know, sunk the business all of a sudden because COVID's over. I mean, our customer base has continued on with us. And the right. storefronts are, I, I'm regularly hearing that the storefronts are seeing less foot traffic. It's, it's less of an experience nowadays, right? Like the novelty is beginning to wear off and people want more and more efficiency, more convenience. convenience. Yep. I don't In know. General, I'm not, I'm not buying I mean, yours is different, Jason, because people want to go in there to see you. They want to be a part of history and they want to go there. And even when you're not there, they want to go there and, and you just like, you know, just like immense, like, saturate themselves in the aura that was Jason Beck was here. You know what I'm saying? They want to, they want to shake the hand that shook the hand of Jason Beck. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> have to exist, but. I have five that hand once. Good, right? Customers <laughs> need a place where they can walk in a door, talk to a person, learn about yeah. a product, right? These, the storefronts need to exist. But mm -hmm. I'm just saying, once customers become really educated, once they have a set established group of products that they know they want, I mean, I love an auto ship button to click on Amazon. I do. I think in general, you know, this isn't my thought. This is retail experts, you know, 
during COVID were saying that, hey, you know, one of the things that COVID is going to do, and not just cannabis specific, but retail generally, what COVID is going to do is force the retail industry to really step up their game and, and have an experience that people really want uh, to go and seek out, you know, given all of everyone's points about our, our need and, and desire to have things just delivered to us and the, the you know, convenience of that. And I agree, I think in general, and, and cannabis is not excluded to this, that retail experiences are going to need to step up. Uh, in order to get people out of the out of the house to go get a product, whatever that product is, that they could otherwise just get delivered to their home. Yep. Let's keep this party moving. Yeah. Jason. Let's roll. All right. Coming up next. That's right. It is Mandy Tingler. She loves to show the world how a cannabis executive lifestyle motherhood and Emerald Cup judging of edibles, which I think is probably the hardest job in the world, all go hand in hand. That's right. Coming up next is none other than the Mandy Tingler. Thank you. Now, Jason, what the hardest job in the world to do is judge Emerald Cup edibles and parent two teenagers by yourself. That <laughs> is the hardest job. Uh, but uh, today, my headline comes to us from MJ Biz Daily, and it's short but not so sweet for our friends over at Dutchie. Their 420 was a bit of a crash instead of celebration. Our headline reads, Cannabis Sales Software Provider Dutchie Goes Down Nationwide on 420. Technology platform Dutchie, which provides point-of-sale hardware for cannabis retailers across the United States, reported interruptions and outages on Thursday. The unofficial marijuana holiday 420 and one of the biggest sales days of the year in the industry. As of 1 p.m. Eastern Time Thursday, the Oregon-based company reported it was working with our infrastructure provider for a resolution. At 2.22 p.m., Dutchie posted a status update that said this incident has been resolved. Dutchie has not responded to MJ, MJ, or the MJ, MJ Biz Daily's request for comment about the POS interruption outages across the United States. In initially reporting the out outages, the company said both timeouts with multiple endpoints were related to metric, as well as latency and errors on the e-commerce. At 2.05 p.m., Dutchie reported that the metric timeout errors had been resolved, that Florida-based metric is the, is the track and trace system most states require legal marijuana businesses to use. According to the company's website, Dutchie processes more than 14 billion of annual cannabis sales at more than 6,000 retailers. The company also reported elevated error rates on Tuesday and Wednesday, according to its status page. Now, guys, I... Don't know about you, but on Cannabis Christmas, the last thing that you need is your POS system to give you any kind of hiccups. And I'm really interested to see how, how this inter interrupted anybody's 420. This is Mandy at High at Nine. Yeah, this is this is a mess. Like, it, it, it was definitely a mess. A bunch of my clients were complaining about it. Um, and... You know, it's, it's real tough. I know that they were touting. I don't know how legal it was or what, you know, given New York's state of being right now, but they're touting as uh, Dutchie as being the go-to partner for the state of New York for uh, for POS services. I don't know if this changes the conversation at all uh, with them with a big drop like that on uh, uh, Cannabis Christmas. But, um, 
we shall see. We'll see see how many people are switching over POSs. You know what it's, I really wonder? Even more that? than that, Rico. I wonder if this was a form of sabotage because they just had that whole corporate shakeup. And I wonder if this was just something that some vengeful former owner or employee or something did to spite the company. It'll be unfortunate. It'll be unfortunate if it is because it's going to be easy to track them down. <laughs> I'm sure whatever they did is probably just something you could just boop. Regardless of the reason, I mean, this is that was obviously uh, net negative, right? But the net yeah. positive out of this is is the understanding, the conversation uh, for the cannabis industry, which really lacks SLAs and service level agreements generally. You know, um, people enter to engagements with various vendors, whether it's POS, security, odor control, all, you know, all types of vendors that that enter this space. And very few, I would say, I've come across zero that have legitimate SLAs in place to address underperformance or non-performance. And I think that this could be, you know, or should be uh, taken seriously and to spark that conversation because, you know, that that's an area of the industry. I think that we still have a long way to go. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know. 420 is like the most nightmarish day for something like this to happen. I mean, the only other day that would probably be worse would be just maybe a couple of days leading up to Thanksgiving. Or even New Year's Eve. Dude, I don't know. Last year, at my delivery service, our um, text messaging system went down and we couldn't send a, a blast out to our entire customer base. And I thought that was bad. And then I read this article. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's harsh you know, Jason you remember um, the, the first day of real legalization here in California like how many people's like POS is just crashed Bro, <laughs> they what? could not handle the volume yes yes but also too also too the, 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 the a lot of people's staff weren't ready either oh look at there's Nicole Buffon what's up hey. whoa Whoa. Yeah. Hey, Nicole. Yeah. Sorry purple, to interrupt the, the story. The, the plant, the <laughs> hey guys. Mm -hmm. The purple haired princess herself, Nicole Long joined us. She's a queen, Jason. She's a queen. Oh, okay, queen. Purple hair queen. Purple haired princess sounds better though. But uh yeah, like everybody crashed that first day, and then they were saying, like, oh, this is why we weren't supposed to have technology and weed anyway. <laughs> it's not reliable. Mm-hmm. You need to do that, man. You need to, to step into the present. This is like technology is not the future. It's the present. And um, they need to get their act together. Like, I, I hope that it wasn't something like a internal sabotage or anything like that, um, because you're hurting a lot more people than you're helping when you do stuff like that. But, you know, we don't know the whole story. So we'll, we'll see. We shall see. We shall, shall, shall see. I mean, I, I still think that this was total sabotage. I don't, I, I don't. I think that this was this was a total setup, and they did it. They probably even had it programmed just to go off at four twenty at four twenty or something like that, just to just just to be funny and spiteful. Hmm. God, that's pretty spiteful. <laughs> Patty, if somebody out there did do this, they need to do some serious meditation and self-reflection. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to bet that that is 100% what happened. That this, all right, because it didn't happen any other time. I, I understand it's a high level, high level thing, but like, if you want to screw over a cannabis technology company, you do that on 420. Yeah. Yep. 
you know, Absolutely. It, could be, it could be like a hacker flex, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like old boy who was, who was on discord, pushing out the U S uh, secrets and everything. Like maybe, maybe, maybe it was just a flex. Like somebody out there, watch this. Exactly. It's like, it's like someone on their way out, like, all right, cool. Fuck you guys. Whatever. Whoopty, whoopty, whoop. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, then. <sighs> yeah. All the more reason why SLAs need to be in place for folks like, you know, Mandy with your text messaging system, you need to have, uh, the ability, you know, and mechanisms in place to be able to address that non-performance yeah. or underperformance. Now, sometimes things going down, you know, are a result of a third-party integration yeah. or something that has nothing to do with anything you touch. But still, you know, service-level agreements and uptime, you know, that's super common in the tech industry, and 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 I think is is absolutely needed here in the in the cannabis industry as well mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah, very much so. So it is a great, great story. Great uh, coverage of that too, Mandy. And I hope that everybody affected was able to reconcile everything. You don't get in trouble from compliance because uh, you're not in compliance right right now. (laughs) You are not compliant as of Friday. So I hope everything's reconciled and uh, Dutchie just takes that one on the chin and we just be back to business today. Anyways. Thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, support, and affection. Our live audience members and online supporters across platforms tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinion to the conversation. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, uh, to all of our sponsors, and to the wonderful Zsa Simone holding things down for us over on Clubhouse, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the haters. There's always two sides to every corner, every coin, and we appreciate the effort y'all put in daily just to hop on the chat and talk your shit. Dedication, dedication. And always, Cannabis Sativa L. The reason that the Hyatt 9 News team shows up and reads these headlines every single day. We love you, Mary Mama. It's Monday, April 24th, 2023. The show is over and you've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Y'all know who it is. Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street, signing off. And I'd like to give Mandy Tingler. You got the outro today. What you got? What you got? Hey. Hey guys, it's Monday, May strong week. Only four more days till Friday. There it is. Take us out, Adam. <laughs>